And welcome back to another Park Train. I'm Evan, one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. Uh, I've also got our other co-host, Mr. Matt Cermak. Serm, what's going on? All good here. We're back. We're rolling. Great episode. Yep, this, this was a great episode. Um, in case you guys are new, thanks for joining. Uh, the Park Train, our mission is to make life less frustrating than your golf game. We've got interviews from PGA Tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, and more, and you'll learn to laugh through every up and down, harness the power of your mind, and get back on track, both on and off the course. Um, before we get to our intro for this episode, we'd like to start with a message from one of our sponsors, uh, Superspeed, Superspeed Golf. Um, I don't know speed. if you guys have heard about uh, Bryson DeChambeau or seen any uh, messaging from the PGA Tour that seems to worship his distance, but the guy's sitting it long, and guess what? One of the tools he's using besides his 8 to 12 or 40 protein shakes a day is the super speed system. Yes, he is. And super so speed system. If you want to hit the ball longer and you're not able to go out and interact with a lot of people right now, it seems like the perfect thing to buy and do in your backyard or at the range and gain some speed. So go to superspeedgolf.com, enter the code PARTRAIN, get 10% off. There's also the Superspeed C now, which is less than 100 bucks. So if you want to start yep. with something cheap, go for it and hit the ball like Bryson, okay? You don't need the protein shakes. Go to Superspeed. I mean, he hit it 423 on the first hole yesterday. Yikes. But, you know, have fun, everybody, you know, hit it, hit it short. Because yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. this, isn't a, this isn't a joke anymore. <laughs> No, it's, it's real great stuff. products. So, we love Superspeed. Yeah, go, check go them to out. superspeedgolf.com. Enter the code PARTRAIN, 10% off. Um, we just had Sam Bettinardi on. Yep. Um, he is COO of Bettinardi Golf. If you guys haven't heard of Bettinardi Golf, um, they are precision then you're living builds. under a rock. Or you don't care about putting. It's one of the top, most high-end, high-quality putters made in the USA that you could get. He talks from everything about you know, how much a Bettinardi putter would cost if he could guarantee no three putts, which I know a lot of you would pay. Um, <laughs> the story behind how his dad started the company um, and was working with Scotty Cameron at the beginning, right? They were kind of both yep. doing the same thing. And then um, Bob, his dad, kind of went off on his own. We got that story. Uh, we talk about a lot of good stuff, Matt. I think this can not only, I think it can help your game because it's all about how to make more putts, right? For sure, how to make more putts, uh, you know, what to look for when buying a putter, uh, yep. understand, understanding their process and what the difference is, yep. um, you know, the mental side of putting that Sam talked about. And um, look, guys, I mean, you know, they've got lots of PGA Tour pros, lots of LPGA, Senior Tour. Um, and for a family-run business of 22 years, um, it's pretty impressive. So, no, yeah, Sam's story. a hard train alum. It was good to have him on. And, and like he said, what was really encouraging for all of us, you know, golf people, golf's in a great spot right now. You know, we've got to keep it rolling. Lots of new interest in the game. Courses are filled up. Um, and, you know, they're just pumped to, you know, continue the Bettinardi brand and message through it all. It made me want to get one. Honestly, I might be hitting them up, but we'll see. Um, all right. Well, you, you guys, should. make sure you listen to this all the way through. There's a lot of great tidbits to hopefully improve your game. And uh, hope you guys are staying safe and well through all of the, the craziness. Absolutely. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See you guys. And welcome back to the part train. We have Mr. Sam Bettinardi himself. Sam, as we were just saying off air, we had you like 
three or four years ago, episode eight. Now we're on episode 90. Grateful to have you back on. How are you doing? That's pretty cool, Evan. Episode 90. Yeah, it's good to be back on and great to see you guys uh, continue to pump out great content and, and going strong. So, but good to be back. Yeah, we're excited back, to Sam. talk a lot about an area that a lot of people need help in, which is on the greens. But I want to start with a fun question where if you could guarantee Bettinardi putters would never three putt, never three putt, how much do you think you could charge per putter? Oh, gosh. Well, if you think about drivers, right, you gain another three to seven yards a year and people spend five to six hundred bucks and you get crazy shafts, nine hundred. I think we could probably get away with charging two to three thousand per putter and everybody would jump on board. What do you guys think? I mean, I agree. You, you I, got I, some good logic. I you throw in numbers in there. It's data driven. I think it could work. I know some people that would pay that. Everyone's so worried about hitting it far, but what if you never three putt? People would have to jump on board. I think two thousand would be a fair price point. Nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, I like Maybe that. Maybe throw okay. throw 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 a, a putter cover, one of those great Bettinardi putter covers, and <laughs> you know, as part of the package, added value. <laughs> These last five months have been a whirlwind around the world. Um, and in the golf industry. Um, so talk us through what's been going on, what's changed for Ben Nardi during COVID, um, how the business has been running, um, interactions with uh, product, tour players, all the above. Yeah, great question. Uh, definitely a different time, different world we're all living in. Everybody knows that. Uh, I would say right around the end of March timeframe, we had to shut down making product because we were non-essential. That was kind of how the law worked in Illinois. Uh, but we did keep a fair amount of our staff working from home. And we're allowed to have maybe three or four people working here throughout that time to kind of keep the operation going. Uh, so we were very fortunate for that. So during April and May, we still kept a lot of our hive releases going and kept the online business running. I would say April in terms of wholesale business to country clubs and uh, you know big box stores was virtually dead. Where yeah. in you know early May, mid May, I really started to see it pick up. Where some people in April were canceling orders or hey, just push back all of our orders. In May started to come around, and then now I'd say June fifteenth till today, so the last month, I would say golf is exploding. So it's mm. it's really yeah. really to see you know i talk to a lot of people in the industry every day and there's you know i heard denver it's a two-week waiting list to play a public course uh wow. this one over here in illinois i think i heard that they had two days last year with over 200 golfers and so far this year they have 17 days with uh that many rounds or more so there's only so yeah. many things we can do guys in, in in our country right we can play golf we can play tennis. Right. We can go fishing, we can go hiking, but a lot of the activities, sporting events, baseball, football, basketball, movies, right? Theme parks, it's all over. So golf yeah. in a really great spot, despite the virus, because it's an outdoor sport, it's a social distance, distancing sport. People have been cooped up, a lot, of, a lot of women and children, a lot of people have not usually played the game or getting in. So for yeah. me, really, really cool to see that rebound going on. Sam, it's funny well, you say yeah. that because I've noticed in LA, like, so we play a bunch of public courses around the area and a bunch of my buddies and I, and, you know, a week in advance, the times open up, right? So Sunday morning, 
I look for the next Sunday. Yes. And no joke, if even looking at like 8 a.m. this past month or two, everything's booked till like 2 p.m. And I've been wondering what's been going on, but I guess you're right. I guess when you just think about everything that's available to us right, right now, it makes a weekend morning time even that much more valuable. Yes. Yeah. So in that regard, and to your point, Evan, golf is seeing a really nice increase. I think the industry last year was flat, if not down a little bit, um, where now this year, from what I'm hearing, a lot of people are enjoying the benefits of golf being a social distancing sport and people wanting to get outside and, and, and play golf, right? Just be out yep. with their friends. Yep. So. Yeah. No, and, you know, I think it's from what we're hearing around here in Chicago, it's true for private clubs, Sam, obviously. You're a member of the club. I played out at Indian Hill yesterday in Winnetka, and they said it was a record June uh, for them. And Ridgemore said the same thing, record June. So let's keep it up, right? You know, let's keep it up. No, it's great for the sport. It's, it's, a, it's a weird time. It's a tough time. But for the game of golf, it's been really positive. For sure. A lot of our listeners know about Bet Nerdy Golf. For those who don't, though, it's, you guys have been one of the great successful family businesses. Uh, in the game of golf and around the professional circuit. And, um, you know, I've gotten to know your dad and spent some time with your dad. And uh, my mom worked in a family business. So there's just such a cool dynamic to it. But um, so talk a little bit about that and uh, maybe any good stories about uh, you and uh, your pops having some debate about, you know, <laughs> products or strategy or new school versus old school. There, there's a lot of... <laughs> I don't know if I would say debate. I would say a scolding or, uh, you know, trying to, you know, it's, it's different mindsets, right? My dad, he'll be 60 this August. I'm 30. So uh, we have different concepts, different ideas. And it's just been a real blessing and a lot of fun to be able to work with your dad, right? And uh, learning so much from him from the time I was 22. And I think we joked last podcast, Matt, I, ex I actually stole your job. So Sorry about that, right? <laughs> Nepotism is still alive and well. Um, but no, starting out of college, working here, social media, marketing, sales, yep. in the last three or four, three years, Bob's really said, okay, you know, do what you got to do. It's, you know, kind of run with it. And it's been a lot of fun just kind of bouncing ideas off of him. But the, the first five or six years being here, learning from him, you know, sitting in his office for a year and just picking up everything I could. And um, like you said, being a successful family or business, it's, it's hard, but to, you know, have the run we've been on, you know, we have over 80 uh, worldwide wins since 1999 and we're yeah. in 40, 40 countries around the world. You know, we just finally picked up uh, Colombia, India, Sweden this year. So all that stuff's really good. But um, no, a lot of your listeners, I'm sure too, are in family businesses or no family businesses. So there are a lot of ups and a lot of downs, but it's at the end of the day, it's, it's awesome. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Oh, absolutely. So speaking of Bob, right? I know for people that aren't as clear or don't have as much context with your guys' backstory, you know, Serm and I were talking about before the show about how Bob and Scotty Cameron kind of started together, right? And how Bob was actually the one that made Tiger's putter in 97 um, when he won the Masters. I just was curious if you could give a little bit of context for those people that don't have it in regards to the early days, how it started, and then maybe how the feeling and the family and from your dad of when he broke away and created Benton Hardy. 
Yeah, so a little bit of backstory. My dad grew up uh, in Evergreen Park on the south side of Chicago, and his father, finally, when he was able to support the family, started his own business and was in machining. And in 1988, my dad had worked for him for eight years out of college. And my grandpa said, you gotta, you got to start your own business. Your two younger brothers are coming up, and they're going to work here. So you got to find something to do. So he started a machining company where he was manufacturing precision milled parts for uh, the hydraulics industry and some other industries. And he did that for about three years. And in December of 91, he walked into a golf shop in Palos Heights called Palos Golf and saw an advertisement for a putter that was milled from a Bridgeport milling machine. So Bridgeport machines are the old school, you, you, you know, you put your hands on, you turn them, you know, it goes up and back, but there's no computer. And he owned two CNC machines and CNC stands for computer numerical control. So he thought to himself when he saw this ad from, it was a Callaway Bobby Jones billet series putter. And he said, why are they using this old technology? They're CNC. So being the you know, sales guy that he is and kind of the go-getter, he called the number when he got home and he said, hey, I'm Bob Bettinardi. I saw you guys have this ad. Have you ever you know, thought about milling your, your putters? And the lady told him, yeah, we'll get back to you. And he never thought anybody would call him back. And not even five minutes later, he got a call from the, their putter designer at the time who said, hey, Bob, our quality from our vendor now is terrible. Their delivery's late. We don't enjoy working with them. We'd love to see what you can do for us or how you could work with us. Why don't you come out to California and we'll show you what we want. So Bob flew to California not even two weeks later and came back home and was tasked with figuring out a way to mill a putter out of one block of steel. Mm-hmm. At the time, for anybody you know listening or not knowing, they would mill the body and then they would mill the neck and they would weld the two together. Or if it was, let's say, a cheaper putter, uh, they would cast it, so they'd pour the metal into a mold, and the putter would come out. Putter would come out, but that was inconsistent, right? Uh, welding thousands and thousands of putter takes time, right? And that's inconsistent. Sure. Hard to uh, put the neck in the same spot every time. So about sixty days later, Bob was able to program and machine a putter out of one block of steel. So this was a huge breakthrough. So he started milling putters for. For uh, that company at the time and a couple other people heard about it and you know most famously I would say Scotty Cameron in 1993 uh, heard about my dad and said hey Bob I'd like you to make some of my putters and he said sure because we were just a machine shop you know a vendor behind the scenes right and in 1993 the spring in uh, a little golf tournament called the Masters uh, a gentleman named Bernhard Langer won with a putter that was milled in our shop for Scotty Cameron. It was the classic one. And Scotty called Bob that Monday morning and said, Bob, don't stop making those putters. We just won the Masters. <laughs> and Bob's like, is that a good thing? Yes, it's a very good thing. Um, so that was really the start of milled putters in the 90s. Uh, at the time, there was about seven or eight players using milled putters in the early 90s. And by 98, I think there was a, a – 100 to 110 players on the PGA Tour using milled putters. So big change, big shift in golf to that new technology, great feel, repeatability, very consistent. And we were the go-to source for not only Scotty Cameron, a couple other larger OEMs in the industry 
And by the end of 98, I believe it was December, uh, Tyler, Scotty, and my father, they parted ways. And, and that was the month that Veterinary Golf was founded. So we're coming up on 22 years. Sorry, go well, ahead, Sam, man. No, I just talk about 93 and Bernard Longer. It's, you know, being the first one to use a mill putter, he was really struggling with his putting too at that time. You know, and to get to win his second Masters with your dad behind, you know, behind the scenes being part of that, I, I just think it's all very fitting. And then to see where the world of putting technology and putting design went, just you know, he had the yips. He did, and he almost used what people kind of thought of as an arm lock style, right? I, yeah. you know, I believe he was bracing it on his forearm. Holding, holding more of his wrist, excuse me, yeah. not really like a, a Kuchar style. But, yeah, that was really cool, and that was, that was just the start of something huge where players really preferred that milled, uh, that look, right, that feel, right, consistent feel, and things just went crazy after that. Oh, I, for sure. I think what's right. interesting about that, Sam, is, you know, a lot of people think, God, I'd love to start a company, but it's like you think, of, you think about everything you have to do, and you think about where you want to go before you even start. And usually that discourages you from starting, right? I think the interesting lesson here is your dad said, I see a need and I'm going to talk to the people that do it. And I think I can do it better. And then mm-hmm. suddenly you start to prove yourself and you start to produce good product. Other people notice it. And then boom, you have, it gets validated on tour and then you have a business. You know, and I, I, I see that a lot where the best businesses usually have something that sparks starting to make something, people like it, more people like it, and then it turns into a full business. I think a lot of people can learn from that. They can. And I think one of the things he does very well and always trying to learn from him is, is just knowledge, right? And just learning from as many people as possible right? Because when you guys think of using your putter on the greens, you guys probably is, oh, cool. It's a cool putter. Let me buy it. You know, I was giving a tour today to, uh, to a couple and they, they said multiple times, wow, I didn't know all this went into making a putter, right? From the metal coming off the truck into our shop, cutting it on the saw, going to the machine, milling the putter, which takes a long time, getting the putter out, polishing it, painting it, assembly, inspection, there's so many different, it doesn't just poof, okay, here's a putter, right? Uh, it's a lot of work. So yeah, to your point, Evan, there, there's a lot of uh, background information that goes into to making a great product. And I think that's one of the, the strengths of our brand is that there's a really cool story behind it, right? Family owned. And, uh, you know, I tell all of our employees and all of our customers when I visit them, you know, our biggest thing we always focus on is quality, right? It's quality. As long as we have quality, our company is going to be around for my son when he comes up, you know, hopefully in 20, 25 years. But quality, 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 you just have to have it. And if you have it, you'll be very successful. For sure. Yeah. Sam, when we – or if you want go to ahead, in. Go ahead, sir. Sam, when we were growing up playing, you kind of had a couple major brands of putters, like between uh, Benton Hardy, obviously, um, especially in Chicago, uh, Scotty Cameron, Ping, and then Odyssey burst onto the scene. Um, but that was kind of it. But nowadays, there's there's a lot of putters, a lot of putter brands. So for those listeners out there that or maybe maybe have a Kirkland signature putter, right, um, or have a Taylor Made putter, because Taylor Made has really burst on the scene in the last six to eight years. Yep. How would you 
say, well, all right, well, here's what's different about Bentonardi um, and, and the product and the design. And yeah, I would say, great question. You know, I think like over the last year, my dad and I would joke, there's a new putter company every day. You know, when you're on right. Instagram and you see these, these guys starting up in their garage or whatever. Um, and that's fine. It's kind of like craft beer, right? Guys think they can buy a CNC machine or maybe they sure. own one and start making putters and see what happens. Uh, and putters is that one club in the bag that people feel very connected to, right? It's an heirloom. It can just, it can go on forever. Putter technology, for the most part, truly hasn't changed all that much over the last 50 years. You think of when Karsten Solheim started the, the Ping Answer, and you look at the guys on tour, there's a lot of guys using a variation of an answer, for our sake, BB1, BB8. But to differentiate us from everyone else, you know, we've been in business 22 years, so we have the legacy, uh, the heritage, we have that tour validation, which I mentioned, you know, over 80 wins. Absolutely. Um, and just the fact that we make it ourselves, right? You mentioned those other, those other four brands that are big, they don't make their own putters, right? They outsource everything whether it's to another shop or it's to China where sure. I can walk 15 feet from where I'm standing right now and go watch our machines, mill product, watch our team, polish it, paint it. You know, we're very involved in that whole process start to finish where I know those companies you just mentioned, you know, Hey, they don't make a bad product, but they don't control their own destiny and they're not as involved as let's say we are. They may send the blueprint to the company and they hope they make it right where I know if we need to make any changes, that can all be done on the spot. So the fact yeah. that we everything point. in house, that, that's, that's my biggest selling point. Made in USA, family owned, the legacy, the tour validation. That's our brand. I would watch you, right? When I was working with you guys, I'd watch your dad in his office just obsess over the smallest little details, whether it was in the neck, whether it was in the weight. He'd put his glasses on, he'd get his, and he would just, and I think that really, you know, and then I've been a Bettinardi user. I still got the Shigeki EMC World Cup from <laughs> that I got 15 years ago, and it's never left my bag for more than yeah, two weeks. There. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's true. We're developing our new 2021 Studio Stock Queen Bee line as we speak. And yeah. there's so much back and forth that goes to making a perfect putter from the size of the logo on the heel to the engraving depth in the pocket. and. The yeah, face filling, how deep do you want the fly mill to be? And what about this radius on the top line? So again, it's not poof, here comes a putter out of the machine. There's a lot more that goes into making it than what, you know, what the average consumer may think. So, and that's, sure. again, that's our difference. Sam, is it hard for you to stick with a putter? I mean, if I was you, I'd be putting a new putter in the bag every week. It, it, it is hard. I, I <laughs> It's a blessing and a curse. So junior golf, it was never me. It was always the putter. So I was, I probably used eight to 15 putters a year as a junior. And that was to my demise. So now since 2013, I've used the arm lock very consistently. So that's a big bonus for me. Last Friday, I tried a, a, one of our box cars and I shot 73, you know, didn't make really anything. And then the next day I made uh, 140 feet of putt with the arm lock. And I'm, I told myself, like, wow. stop switching putters. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard not to when you have, when you have every, uh, any option you could imagine at your disposal, right? But for performance-wise, no, I can't get out of the arm lock. Yeah. That sounds great. So this, right? 
Yeah, you got to. So Sam, this is, this is really interesting. We've never talked about this on the show before. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I think it's, it's fascinating. So the putter buying process is one of the, you know, arguably the club that has the biggest contributor to your score, yet usually is the least amount of time and attention to actually decide what to buy. And so let me add a little context. I used to work with TaylorMade from 2010 to 2013, and I was tasked with uh, launching the new Ghost Spider, right? Which was a huge putter for them. And I, we dug into the data, and we found that most people go into a golf shop, and they go to a putting corral with 300 plus putter options around. And you walk around, you see one that catches your eye or maybe you saw a pro using, you hit like three to five putts. If you make all of them, you might buy it. (laughs) And so it's wild to me. I just wanted to ask you, is that a good thing? Like what's right about the spontaneous nature of buying, of the buying process for putters? And maybe what's wrong with that? Well, I, I, would, I can't sit here and say that's a good thing. I would say that is the wrong method because I'm a very big believer in fitting. Yep. So if you go to a putting corral, whatever XYZ store, I would always ask an associate if they fit, right? If they don't fit, try to take it to your local pro. If you don't have a local pro, find a club fitter that can dial you, dial you in. Because here at Studio B in Tinley Park, Illinois, we fit a lot of people on a daily basis where they're not just, Hey, they come in and they leave with a putter that they just saw. We're doing a lot of adjusting, right? A lot of people's putters are too long. We find a lot of people's putters are too upright, right? Mm. We have to go flat. Uh, The loft, making sure the loft's right. Um, So there isn't, yes. If you want to just on a whim, Hey, I need a new putter. Let me see what looks good. Putting and finding a putter always start starts with looks. You know, what looks good to you, what looks good to yep. my eyes, that may be different from Matt, it may be different from you, Evan, but that's how we start our fitting process here at the studios. We tell our customers, hey, try three or four putters, find, you know, tell us what looks best to you. Then we're going to go get you on camera and dial in the best performing putter for your stroke. So you have to get fit and it's 2020. I mean, come on, it's Right. You have no choice. You got to get fit for a putter. What what happens? What what's usually the gains? Is it off center to center hits? Is it distance control? Like what what usually do you see in regards to someone that gets fit versus before using a stock putter? Uh, I would say a little bit of everything. Right okay. line. I know a big thing when lo- with loft. If guys are on camera and you watch the ball, we always want to make sure the ball starts rolling almost immediately. And you'll see guys come in where it's skidding, right? Yeah. And the ball actually hopping. So how can you think about how hard putting is, right? Four and a quarter inch cup, try and get a little golf ball in there. You don't want your ball doing anything except rolling end over end and trying to track down. So we're trying to take out as many variables as possible to help people make putts. So again, length, you know, hey, if it's too long, maybe you're going to pull it or if the lie's not right, right? Uh, so it's just something that's so crucial when you want to buy a putter. I mean, why do people spend time getting fit for drivers in the right shaft and they use it 10 to 12 times around versus a putter using 25 to 40 times around? So, um, 
Yeah, hopefully not 40. Hopefully more like that 25 number. But, yeah, it's just something you have to do. Yeah, I think the true role is such a – being able to be, set yourself up with a putter that allows you to get a true role with your putts. Because, I mean, Sam, how many times do you see people come in with their toes way in the air, right? You know, like you just like, okay, you know, I, I'm not your golf professional, but here's what I can do. We can set you up to build a putter for you. Because yes. anybody who's ever going to become any decent at putting, you have to have solid contact, right? Like you just got to get there, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very true. So uh, to that point, Evan, it is fun to see people switch putters and say, hey, this looks good to me. I'm going to buy it. Or, hey, I rolled five. I made five. This has got to be it. You may have that honeymoon period yeah. where you play well one or two rounds, but if it's not appropriate for your stroke, you're not going to get better, right? Yeah. I love this stuff because Matt and I are obviously golf geeks, so we can geek out on all this stuff. And one thing that made me want to talk about a little technology, not to go too much in the weeds, but we had Barney Adams on the show a little over a year ago and he was talking about his new putter shaft, right? The breakthrough golf technology. And he actually sent it to uh, a few of us and we got to put them in our, in our putters. And I was curious, you know, his whole thing is that everything's been rethought, rebuilt from the grip and counterbalance to the head and the weight and MOI and, and all this tech being put into putters, but the shaft really wasn't. Um, rethought. I'm curious what Ben Nardi's view is on shaft technology and how much you guys are thinking about that. Uh, that's a great point Barney had. So he, he's spot on. That is one of the last things in, in putters, right? Face milling, we're still always tinkering with. But shafts, yeah, there really hasn't been any innovation. So to see, you know, Bryson's got that uh, LATP shaft in there. I've been messing around with that in my arm lock. Um, you know, I do believe it helps. I don't think it's going to make you a, a, a really a, a better putter immediately, but I do think it has its performance uh, benefits. You know, in our new studio stock, excuse me, our new BB and Innovate line this year, we did switch to a little bit of a shaft, which is softer. So we are tinkering with it. We didn't want to go as far as having something look crazy and yeah. out there like some of those shafts do, and they're very expensive. So for our brand, Betnardi, and our production line, you know, we're more of a traditional company, right, in terms of our production line, really clean, beautiful putters. That was not a decision we wanted to do to have something kind of funky in there. But if you were to come to Studio B and get fit, that would be a, uh, an upcharge. That would be something, a product that we have as an option for those interested. Got it. Sam, I want to talk a little bit about, for the listeners, you, your putting philosophy. Right. So for everybody listening, Sam's a very accomplished player, Allegiant player, um, reigning club champ at Butler National. He's going to be defending pretty soon here in a couple of weeks. Um, talk about, you know, what, you know, your philosophy is, you know, there's, there's always been talk about a straight back, straight through stroke, a pendulum, an arc, um, you know, and maybe, and then how that applies to, you know, you know, building, you know, a good, a good product, you know, whether it's a BB1 series or it's the arm lock and things of that nature. Yeah, my personal philosophy, I wouldn't translate it right to, to business into the average Joe, it could, but uh, like Matt, like you said, you played a, a gazillion junior golf tournaments and collegiate. I think when I was younger, it was always overthought, right? You know, sure. 
me, I'm, I'm a veterinarian. A lot of people were trying to fix my putting or analyze my stroke and make something, you know, try to change something. Yeah. Where the last four years I played the best golf of my life, which, and I'm not, I'm not playing as much, right? I used to practice eight, 10 hours a day, right? Every day, uh, six, six, seven days a week. Now I'm lucky to play two to three days a week. And all I could tell you is on the greens, my whole focus is just is filling the cup up, right? Just hitting the ball in the hole. So I'm not thinking about my stroke at all. My one thought on putting is just staying still, right? Just staying still, keep your head down. And then from there, just commit, right? Commit to the putt, commit to the line. And I noticed I've made so many more putts because you're not thinking about, hey, I'm going to take it a little inside. Or, hey, I need sure. to stop. I need to stop four inches after I hit the putt. I need to have a compact stroke. Um, I think all that stuff, you just, putting is so much feel, right? It's, it's, so per, it's personal. It's yeah. so personal. So for me to tell you, Matt, what to do, or you, Evan, it's hard. But for what works for me is being yeah. basically like um, like carefree on the greens. Like, hey, I don't care what's going to happen, but I'm going to make this putt. Uh, that's been a huge thing for me that's worked. Again, may not work for everybody. There's a lot of technical guys out there on the PGA Tour who would laugh yeah. at what I said, but there's also a lot of guys that would probably agree with what I just said, right? Just be free. Yeah. One of the best putters I've ever played with and know, Sam Horsfield, he played for uh, University of Florida. He was the number two am in the world. He just shot 58 last week. Uh, four weeks ago, he shot 59 in Stream Song, which is 14 under par, par 70. Yeah. Wow. And I go, think about when you're putting. He goes, I just have this rap song in my head that I play over and over again. So, and that was it. And that keeps him in a rhythm, right? And it's a freaky rhythm. It's when you're shooting 59, but Yeah. <laughs> Free, he's not thinking about his stroke. He's just, hey, I'm just going to make putts, right? So that's, that would be my biggest thing to the average Joe is to stop thinking about what you're doing and just put the ball in the hole. Sam, you made me think of something I read. I believe the title, we'll have to fact check this. I think the title of this book is How to Make Every Putt. I forget right. who the author is. And I remember the takeaway for me was making the putt means hitting your line. Sinking the putt is differently. And so the goal was to make every putt you hit in the round. And similar to what you said, and it's something I think about too, is keeping still, keeping my head down. Making the putt and hitting your line is a great freeing thought too, because now you're focused on, okay, did I hit my line? Because that's all I can do, right? I'm going to try and hit the best putt I can and relieve the pressure of if it goes in or not. And you see what comes from there, right? There's bumps in the green. Anything can happen. You can hit a perfect putt and it doesn't go in. You can hit a bad putt and it does go in. So it's interesting that that's something to maybe add for people out there struggling too, is just. Right. Really focus on trying to get the ball started on the right line. And then, you know, from there, you let it go. Same thing, Evan, back to your point about fitting, why it's so important. What fitting does, it adds so much confidence to your putters. So when you're standing over, let's say, an eight-foot putt against your buddies, and you're looking down at the putt, you go, okay, I know this putter fits my stroke. Now I got to execute. You're not worrying about the equipment. You're not wondering if it's the right toe hang for you yep. or it's the right loft. You have confidence knowing, hey, I just spent $400 on a veterinary putter. This thing is made for me. I'm going to just focus on hitting my line. And yep. the other thing, too, in terms of confidence, I've noticed when I miss putts and I go, 
I, I hit it on the line. I did what I did. And I go to the next hole versus getting mad. Right. Yeah. Right. So you can just say, Hey, I, I hit, I did the best, right. I hit my line. Uh, that's a big thing too. So putting's easy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Real quick. I know, I think we might've talked a little bit about this, um, a few years ago, but it's been a while. So I, I'd love for you to give maybe the highlights or the funny side and backstory of working with Kucher, right? That was a perfect example of one of your tour pros coming to you. I think he was the one to come to you. I'm sure it was a collaboration, but I'd love to hear about that back and forth and maybe what he needed and maybe what you learned from him in the process of working directly with someone like Kucher. I was not with the company at the time. I was still in college. Matt, you were there. Uh, I was not. I was, I was there for Studio B, waiting for you to come back. Wait for me to come. I, was, I started in January of 2013, and Kucher was doing all the prototyping and R&D all of 2012. Okay. I signed him in May of 2013. So what I could tell you, because I've, I've told many people the story, is that Matt, in 2011, it could have been 2010, you could fact check me, won the money title on the PGA Tour. And he wasn't happy with that because he still wanted to win majors. He wanted to win more, but he was just a top 10 money machine. He was very consistent. He felt like his putter was lacking. So my dad saw him, I believe the PGA was at Whistling in 2011. And he saw him out there and he said, Matt, Come on, you know, you won your first PGA tournament uh, in 2002 with the Betnardi. We'd love to get you back. He goes, you know what, Bob? I'd love to try your stuff again. He goes, I'm thinking about a new putting concept where I can brace the putter on my forearm. Can you help me out? Yes, Matt, we'll do anything you want. Of course, we'll help you out. So that's kind of how the conversation started. And I think from that time of end of 2011, right around what, August it usually is until the, let's say December of 2012, we had made Matt about 20 to 25 putters with all different types of offset, uh, loft, uh, length, uh, different neck configurations, different head shapes. And that fun part about making that putter is no one had ever truly made an arm lock putter. Right. The one guy who I've actually played golf with is uh, Spider Miller, who, who says he'll take a little bit of credit for that former, uh, you know, uh, accomplished USGA player, captain of the U.S. Walker Cup team. And he did it, but when he arm-locked it, he had the grip going past his elbow. Uh, but he was one of the first guys to mess around with it, so that was kind of a, a starting point. But just talking to Kucher and his coach and sending him putters, no, I don't like this, but I do like this about it. Okay, let's make another one. Hey, you guys nailed the loft, but I don't like the offset, right? So. All those variations, he finally settled on his first one, which is, was a wide-body blade with two-and-a-half shafts of offset and seven degrees of loft. And when he finally found it, that's when the, you know, the agents approached us and said, yeah, Matt loves his putter. He could see himself working with you guys. And in May of 2013 is when we signed him and you know, basically trademarked the arm lock technology, which you know, I think started out a little slower. Uh, than we would have liked. You know, Kucher did win the WGC at Dove Mountain that year in February, yeah. won Memorial in May. So he got really hot. And it was very interesting early on, and it kind of died off. And I would say the last two years, it's, it's gotten really hot again. You know, guys like Webb Simpson, Egan Bradley, Bryson DeChambeau. Yep. Um, 
I think Lucas Glover's messed with it, Matt Kuchar, but a lot of those guys winning, right, and using yep. the arm brings more attention to it. And us and only one other company are the only ones actually making a production arm lock putter. So I stand by it a million percent. It's, it's incredibly helped me. You look at Kucher, he's still a cash machine. Look at what Bryson's yeah. done. Really. You know, everybody talks about his driving and how far he hits it. But if you look at his putting stats, he's right up there. And, and of course, uh, getting Webb out of the belly, struggled for a bit into the arm lock. He's been phenomenal too. So... Um, it's been a really cool, I guess, evolution, I'd say, how that's all progressed. And, you know, we love being the, uh, the arm lock company, I'd say, for putters. Yeah. Well, Sam, we know you guys have a great pulse on what's obviously what's happening on the tour because of all the players you work with. Um, but obviously, with the, you mentioned Bryson and, and hitting the golf ball far and the ball technology and the driver. Do you see the game kind of going in, I don't know about a scary direction, but are they going to start making greens more difficult, you know, tighter fairways? Because you talk about, we talk about arm lock, arm lock technology and it's really helped guys games. So is putting's kind of a lost art, but you know, with everybody hitting it so far, is it going to be more important than ever maybe going forward? That's such a great question, Matt. I have, I have no idea to, to answer that. Um, you know, it's it's funny because most golfers still struggle on the greens and they don't hit it 380 yards, right? So right. you have a handful of the best players in the world. I mean, what, I'd be curious, the average driving distance right now on the PGA Tour, what do you guys think it is, 295 to 305? Well, in terms of, the, in terms of how far they carry it? Because I think it's 323, yeah. right, yeah. You think it's what? I think what Cameron Champ and DeChambeau are at 323 in terms of the statistics. But in terms of the average player. Sure. Oh, yeah. Average player, yes. Two, yeah, yeah, 295, 295, 305. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's a couple anomalies out there, so I can't really see the governing bodies doing too much. I think they're really going to look at the golf ball because uh, that's something that they can scale back. But when you think about it, there's, what, 20 to 25 million golfers in the United States, and there's a handful of them that are, that are just, you know, obliterating these courses. You know, I think it'll be funny to see. I don't think the Masters tournament's going to be happy with Bryce hitting at 370, 380, um, or for that matter, other places. But it'll be really interesting to see and this new effect that he has on golf and what happens in the offseason with other players. Do they, want, do they want to start eating six cheeseburgers a day and 8,000? <laughs> right. But, but, it's, but, Sam, you made the point. The reason why Bryson won his last victory, he putted. That was his best putting performance of the year. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, you have to make putts on the PGA Tour. Everybody knows it. When I go to the PGA Tour, most guys are not hitting balls on the range grinding. The best players are putting, putting and chipping. Matt, you know that. Evan, you yep. know that. He knows you have to make putts out there. The difference between the Corn Ferry guys and the PGA Tour is putting. The difference between the Canadian Tour and the, McKen or the uh, Latin Tour is putting right you have to make putts so no i i can't see him doing that many crazy things but it'll it'll be fun to watch how it all plays out for sure so sam this is our last question and then we'll get you out of here um we noticed that we went to your brand ambassador page and we're looking at all the great tour pros that you have on there kooks are included but we noticed that there were no part train hosts as brand ambassadors <laughs> i mean is this was this a tech glitch should we fix this 
You know, I thought we had Matt up there. Uh, former, uh, former employee spotlight. Maybe we can. Yeah. <laughs> We work on it. I think we, what would it, amateur ambassador or hack ambassadors? Um, yeah. It might be a good program to look into, guys. That's not a Maybe bad a giveaway for our Instagram followers. We can talk offline, you know. We can do a giveaway for your guys. We have a really, really cool uh, hive release in two weeks okay. that a lot of Chicago people will uh, will enjoy. And Matt, you got Chicago. Evan, are you from Chicago or California? I'm from St. Louis originally, but. Yes. You guys yeah. met in, in uh, Missouri. Yeah, we met yep. in Missouri. Uh, yeah, the Chicago giveaway. I think there's probably a big Chicago following on the car train. So yep. let's talk about that head cover. Your guys. Uh, that could be fun. Yeah. All, all right. right. Cool. Well, Sam, thanks so much for coming on. For all of you guys out there, I'm sure you're itching to go check out all of the great putters. Um, so go to bettinardi.com. And Sam, any other place that they should go to follow you? Obviously on social as well oh, check out our instagram we got almost seventy thousand followers uh so check us out there we are uh, working on ramping up a couple different avenues for people that can't get enough veterinary one last place to check out it's not owned by us but on facebook there's a group called betty talk and there's about four thousand members that love buying selling trading uh just talking about the brand so if you're a facebook user please check out Betty Talk. It's a great group and uh, a lot of knowledgeable people in there if you're looking to get more into the brand. Love That's that. awesome. All right. Well, Sam, stay healthy, stay thanks, well Sam. through these times and thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, guys. That was fun. Appreciate it. Yeah. Take care.